Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games in Draper, Utah. You can also find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash eternaldirtle to support us directly. You can find Zach and Nate on Twitch at Dirtlemagus and The Frozen Divide, respectively. And you can find Phil at his other podcast, Goatcast Pod, on Twitter. Hello, and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Nathan Golia. Zach Clark is off tonight, Phil Blackman. Wow, wow, he's just totally, totally abandoning us. Zach is off because our friend Charles is just got engaged. Charles is a uh, New York player going back a few years. Um, Congratulations, Charles. Just be careful. Zach always needs more stuff. That's right. <laughs> um, that's right. I uh, and, and he had he played Death and Taxes. I haven't seen him. I don't know if he's been around in a while. He's been doing some other stuff. But congratulations to them. Uh, Phil, you and I have a guest tonight. We do. This is why we're powering through and recording. Yeah, we we actually just kicked Zach off voluntarily. <laughs> right. Yeah, we decided to uh, upset the Chalice balance here and get have it be two against one against Chalice or for Chalice rather, uh, instead of against. But no, no. it's all right, dude. Freudian slip. The truth comes out. I'm, I'm I'm a chalice I'm chalice neutral. Uh, I'd like to welcome Grayson Parker, who is a player from Bakersfield, California. Who it is his 27th birthday, by the way. Congratulations! Uh, Made it to 27. Yeah, the birthday stopped mattering. Last year was the uh, the real fun one because 26, no more family insurance. Oh, well, 27 is the uh, is the Jim Morrison, Kurt Cobain, Janis Joplin, Jimmy Hendrix yeah. here. Right. Yeah, I'm gonna leave white bic lighters out of my pocket uh, for the foreseeable future. I just I gotta make it through this year. Grayson, we brought you on to talk about Chalice a little bit tonight. Um, but first, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you live and your legacy scene out there in Bakersfield, California, and about the 30 or 40 times when we met that I kept thinking it was closer to some other city than it actually is. <laughs> So um, I live in Bakersfield, California. It's in the it's the southernmost city, practically, in the uh, the Central Valley of California. It's mostly ag, oil, and heat death out here. Um, it was around 105 today. Um, but you guys there's, have a have a decent scene. I mean, you're you're playing at least once a week, right? We're playing at least once a week. Um, we're floating between nine and twelve players right now. Uh, which is good because for the longest time we were only getting like seven. Um, but over the last couple of months, we've picked up a couple of regulars and we've got a healthy little scene now. And we, we will all like board and like, you know, jump into one car and drive down to LA and crash one of their tournaments. And it's lots of fun. Uh, you, we met at Grand Prix Las Vegas last year. We actually played a match. I was playing my bug. Midrange morass and you were playing agrolome um, uh, yeah. we recognized each other from the source and uh, that was fun um, and then we saw you again at uh, Grand Prix Seattle this year you drove up right barely yeah. made it. <laughs> barely made it over a grand in car repairs later right um, well I know that that you have been looking forward to this opportunity Phil uh, who is uh, you know our resident Staunch Chalice hater has has led to a, a number of text messages from Grayson to me over the past <laughs> few months. 
Every time you open your mouth, Phil, you start Yo, talking if, about if, if, if you didn't have that kind of reaction, I wouldn't be doing my job on here. But also, like, let's be real, I'm right. <laughs> Phil, uh, Phil's, you know, Phil's a heel. You know, I'm, <laughs> Phil I'm also does a wrestling podcast, though. Yes, I do do a wrestling podcast. It's called The Goat Cast, and 100% I am the heel. Oh, okay. I like to imagine you're the, you're not the heel on that one. You're just bringing it to here. Oh no, I I co-host on that one, and when I'm in like the host role, I'll, I'm I'm cordial, and then I absolutely uh, go heel. My favorite <laughs> my favorite wrestling saying ever is Razor Ramon. For anybody who knows, he is the character where his hair would be slicked back. He would come out with his hairy chest and only wear an open vest, and he'd have a toothpick, and he'd walk right up to the other guy in the ring flick the toothpick in the guy's face and go I'm the bad guy <laughs> great so is that what you're doing here no no I, I've left my toothpicks at home uh, um, but I'm the bad guy <laughs> well it's not that bad we're gonna have a we're gonna have a fun cast and I've been looking forward to this because um, Grayson is a chalice expert uh, I mentioned we were, we were playing four color loam this year at the uh, other Grand Prix you played Eldrazi and mm-hmm. at the last Nightwear tournament in Los Angeles, I played Mono Red. Um, so I think let's start about start out by ch- talking about some of the flavors of Chalice decks. You know, because when we talk about Chalice as a card to watch out for, it's really something where, you know, there's kind of a joke like, oh, it's Chalice and cards, um, and it's whatever cards you want. The Chalice is what makes it go. But there are there are some, there's some variation that that's relevant here. Um, so Grayson, what's, what's sort of your preferred deck to play? What's, what's, you know, what's the deck that really made you sort of fall in love with Chalice as a, uh, as a archetype piece? Well, the deck that made me fall in love with Chalice was definitely Agrolome, which is what I'm playing right now. Um, because I played, uh, I played Maverick for the longest time and I stopped playing Magic right as Thalia was spoiled for just a couple of years for personal reasons. Um, and so I missed out on the heyday of Maverick is a really good deck and I come back and it's true name is floating around and Terminus is floating around and Maverick is practically dead yeah. and I'm, I'm in a haze trying to figure out what I can do to fight off this miracles deck. And then I see a list that was apparently put together right before Bizarre of Moxon after the guy, uh, Nicholas Kronberger, who designed the deck. He designed it after an all-night bender where he got kicked out of his hotel room, and I just saw the list and fell in love with it. I could hear, I could hear Phil saying, "Typical Chalice player." <laughs> I, I think, I think designing a deck after an all-night bender is really the only way to do it. So, although I, I don't uh, give my blessing for Chalice, I will give my blessing for all-night benders into deck lists, especially in Europe, right? Which where Nicholas lives. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, Right, and uh, we had I, I played a little bit of aggro loam in my time, uh, or four color loam, I guess. It's not that aggro in these uh, these builds anymore. Um, and so we talked about the deck a little bit uh, in Vegas and had you know posted together. And it's a uh, it's interesting. It's it's the only one of these decks that we're really going to talk about that doesn't play Ancient Tomb. Though I guess you it could. Is. I mean, you could play you could play Ancient Tomb, but you don't need to because you have Mox Diamond. No. Yes, yes, we do. Which is absolutely the most powerful card in the deck. Right. Because otherwise you don't do anything on turn one. Yeah. Uh, so how did you... You could, uh, you could play a Baron more tapped. That's right. You can play Baron more tapped or you can... You can Zenith 4-0 or you can cycle one of the lands. That's that's about it. You can also Chalice for zero. 
Yes, you can, and I have done that. There, there are times where it's necessary. I had a game actually at Vegas when I was playing Agalo in a side event because uh, maybe want to play it. Uh, where I had a flawless victory because I was playing against Storm, and my first turn was uh, land Mox Diamond, Chalice on one, Chalice on zero. Uh, he played a <laughs> land, I wasted it. He fetched for a basic land, I vindicated it. Right, so you got off four color loam and played Eldrazi for Seattle. Uh, why did you decide to make that change at that time? Well, um,. It wasn't really due to, um, well, one, I, it was mostly due to the Grand Prix Vegas experience because playing four color loam is, it's it's one of the grindiest decks in the format. Like your your rounds will go long. I got paired up against Death and Taxes four times. I got paired against uh, Veteran Explorer. I got paired against you playing a grindy bug mid range deck. <laughs> yeah. I I did I the first round. Like, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I played against like one Delver player the entire time I was there. And I was just mentally done at the end of that. And I said, I, for a Grand Prix experience, I don't know if I'm capable of doing this again. Yeah. Uh, especially if I want to turn it into kind of like a, a vacation for me and the lady at the same time. You know, like if all your rounds are going to time and you're just mentally exhausted, by the end of the day, you just want to crash. At Seattle, I went five and three. I, I lost my... Last, I, I picked up a win, I think around, I picked up a loss around, around round four to Dredge. And then I actually lost two of my better matchups in a row. I lost to Grixis Delver twice to get knocked out of uh, day two contention. Well, now that's not a problem, right? <laughs> it's not a problem anymore, no. Um, um, did you, but, did you like the deck or is it? Eldrazi? Oh, I, Eldrazi is a, it's a, an incredibly fun deck because you just do stupid broken things. Um, and it feels very clean. Um, I, I was I was waffling between bringing Mono Red Prison and Eldrazi to GP Seattle, and my problem with Mono Red Prison at that time was just uh, it didn't it, it played a little bit too reactively. Mm -hmm. um, whereas Eldrazi, you are you are constantly proactive. You know, you're always. Um, you know, okay, you don't have Chalice, you go into Mimic. You, uh, you know, one plan's not panning out. Well, you still have these guys that can get in. Yeah. I, I've been playing Mono Red for the last few Nightwear tournaments um, just because, uh, well, Four Color Loam didn't feel good in a field where I have to deal with Colagon's Command uh -huh. uh, on a regular basis because it turns out when they can blow up your Chalice and kill your Dark Confidant in the same card, that's not a place where you want to be. Uh, that's the worst. Um, yeah. Man, that sounds great. <laughs> And then, Come on. You shut your mouth, Bill. <laughs> and then um and then the problem is now that Mono Red Prison is popular, um Eldrazi just can't uh, it's it's a nightmare matchup. I mean I beat it at Seattle, but I got incredibly lucky. Um and you know, you can deal with the moon effects because you know, like half the deck you can just cast and ignore it. But then they land a bridge and say, scenario, bridge. <laughs> you can't yeah. Turns out can't do a thing about it. Get on that Endbringer plan. Uh, Ratchet Bomb is your only out, and it got me there at Seattle. It blew up like two bridges, like three moon effects. And that was a good moment, but it shouldn't have happened. He should have drawn an Abraid yeah. before that. Right. So what do you think was the best Chalice deck, or was there a best Chalice deck before the bannings we had? 
Well, I don't think it's very controversial to say that the absolute best Chalice deck prior to the Deathrite Shaman Gataxian Pro ban was Mono Red Prism. Because the metagame had become so inbred, you know, it was everyone is on, uh, you know, the with with the amount of just four color strategies in the room that are all playing this kind of like low to the ground strategy, mm-hmm. at least in terms of the uh, the actual cost of their spells, um, uh, Mono Red was absolutely the place you want to be. Like if they're trying to go turn one ponder, turn two him, turn three Leovold. Or turn three Colagon's command. Oh man, you you're, 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 you're bestow my heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but then you know that's why you're going. You want to go ancient tomb, Chromox, Blood Moon, or something, right? That's the yes. Yeah. Phil, did you would you agree with that? I think we would all sort of agree with that. But that Mono Red was the best Chalice deck before the ban. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when we say we mean be, like best performing, best performing, best positioned. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably just because of also tacking on Blood Moon. I would think that I I think of these four decks. I think uh, Agro Loam is the most appealing because it's the most flexible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, in in a format where everybody's playing off color duels because of Death Red Shaman, yeah, Blood Moon's definitely where you want to go. Yeah. So do you think you guys think that's changed at all? From is Mono Red still the place to be? We had well, yeah, the fourth deck, which we didn't mention, is we had this Eldrazi post deck, which was all over the place at the uh, right yeah. at the uh, Worcester Classic. We just call up how many there were. I actually think there was one that wasn't reported. One, two, three, four, five, six. So one, two... Oh, no, that's not right. Never mind. Sorry. Um, so uh, someone told me there was another one in the top eight, but I guess I'm... There, uh, I think you're thinking of uh, Philly. Oh, Philadelphia. Okay, okay, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Philly had a bunch of Eldrazi posts in it. Okay. Um, and then all the uh, the cla- all the um, the MTGO challenges and like the, the leagues lately have had a bunch of Eldrazi posts as well. Um, so I'm I'm really interested to see and to see how that archetype kind of evolves. Um, yeah, I mean. It's interesting. I guess that you're ramping harder than anyone now because there's no death rate. Is that just that might just be how simple it is, right? Like you know, <laughs> I I don't know honestly. I don't know why the deck is doing better in a world where wasteland is such is 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 a much better card. Twenty five uh, lands. <laughs> I mean that, answer, right? that helps. <laughs> that helps, but honestly, I I play a lot of twenty five land decks, and wasteland is still a pain. Phil, what do you uh, think? You played against... You, you, you were talking about Caracas Emrakul loops. We can, I can't even find that deck. Dude, oh, I've was... lost the Caracas Emrakul loop more times than any human should have. <laughs> uh, but uh, is, is the question, why do we think that... Well, do, you, uh, yeah, do you think the Eldrazi post deck is benefited in some way that we're not seeing? I think it got better just because it's playing against more fair like mid-rangey stuff that isn't doing as efficiently what Grixis Delver was doing. Like the reason that Grixis Delver was just way better than all of the other Delver decks was because of the colors that it got to play and because it had death right, it just never had to concede a weakness anywhere. Yeah. Uh where all of the other Delver decks do. Like, you know, if you're playing Rug, and I know you uh, you and Zach love Rug, but like there's a certain time where like Stifle is just a blank, you know? Um yeah, and the, the but the Grixis deck just all of its cards were excellent. Like it never it never had anything bad going on. Right. Um, and so I think that now that Death Rite is gone, it has to like pick and choose its battles. And I think that's why uh, 
at least like those tempo decks aren't you know as clean or or people are haven't like the density of the best delver deck isn't there anymore because you have to go to other styles of delver and I... also you've seen like an uptick in dnt and like these other fair mid-range decks and i feel like the fair mid-range decks and miracles which are really popular now post ban just get crushed by 12 post uh nathan nate could you um could you look up the latest um mtgo challenge I the legacy challenge for Tureco geniuses deck here are we looking yeah that one right there now this so first of all i think that one of the reasons why eldrazi post is doing better now is that miracles is perceived to be i don't know if it is we'll see how it shakes out it's miracles is definitely perceived to be one of the better decks in the format and against Miracles, I mean, you can look at this list. It's just you're going to drop bomb after bomb after bomb, and they just... Uh, how do you keep up? Yeah. The other thing about like all of the bombs is that all of the bombs do something and don't care about counter magic. No. No, they don't. Yeah, and so, like, so the, 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 the axis that this deck fights on is just... It, it, it just preys on all of the things that Miracles wants to be like the access miracles wants to be playing on mm. and i also think that with all of the other what, just going back to the last question again i think uh walking ballista shores up a lot of the deck's weaknesses i think i agree with you but i think that they also made a few choices with this specific list if you're looking at it one they don't play city of traders and i don't know if that's correct or not but i think it's because they're not on a like this this all-in chalice game plan they're fine playing it on turn two because they're going to be playing an Ulamog on turn four. Um, that is a really interesting point. Because our next question is, what's the best Chalice deck if you don't draw Chalice? Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off. And we can get, you can get finished. No, not at all. But it was in the previous meta, if you didn't draw Chalice, you just played a Blood Moon. And that was pretty much a Chalice in terms of locking people out, right? And in this case, when they go Ancient Tomb, Grim Monolith, or Tapped Cloud Post, then Glimmer Post gained to Grim Monolith, like yeah. Trinisphere. <laughs> like, <laughs> good. You, you, you didn't see a chalice, you know? And they'll sit there and, and play more lands and untap their Grim Monolith for, by tapping two lands because they, don't, they can do it. So, uh, what's the best chalice deck uh, when they don't have a chalice? Um,. You know, honestly, every single Chalice deck has... I don't want to call it a plan B, because no one is designing a deck that's sole goal is to power out a Chalice on turn one and then play a Grey Ogre on turn two and get there. Um, like, if you're looking at Eldrazi Aggro, for instance, most of my best... Like, like turn one Chalice is an incredibly powerful play, but I've probably won more games just going Eye of Ugin, Mimic, Mimic, turn two, Thought Not Seer. With... Mono Red Prison, you know, if you don't get that turn one Chalice, well, you can still jam out a turn one Trenosphere, a turn one Moon Effect, uh, with Eldrazi Post, <laughs> right? Cards, and, yeah. and then the last meta with uh, uh, Turbo Depths running around everywhere, with uh, Black Red Reanimator everywhere, it gets there. Yeah. I know this has been a been a question of yours actually, which is which is why I wanted to ask it, like. Do you see? Do you, do you look at chalice decks and 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 sort of group them by what's their plan B, or do you like think about that at all, or do you just are you focusing on whether or not they draw chalice? Yeah, if you're if it, I mean that that particular question is very much based on which deck 
I'm playing, uh, if I'm on, let's say I'm on Miracles, uh, Chalice, it's specifically Chalice is the thing that I primarily care about, and that's pretty much it. And then uh, the Planeswalkers. Well, just because Miracles has a tough time dealing with those things outside yeah. of things like Council Judgment. So, but like everything else, like you, I have never played against the Chalice deck where I feared anything other than Chalice or like running Thought Nuts. Right. So you don't consider what do you think about Four Color Loan? This this is the deck that you know I feel like doesn't have the best Plan B because it's so many non-basic land go if you don't um, have the Chalice or the or the Mox Diamond. Um, I mean, Zenith for zero is still non-basic land, one-one creature, you know. And it, I like it has like the be- the best like turns two through four. I want to say, um, because it, it its curve legitimately starts at two, unlike say Mono Red Prison where you've got a bunch of three drops, yeah. and you're really dependent on those soul lands and that fast mana to get you there. Um, you know, you can a lot of the time I'll keep a hand that doesn't do anything turn one. And, you know, that gets there in Legacy a lot of the time. Um, you know, playing out a Sylvan Library on turn two, a Dark Confidant on turn two. Um, you might draw a, uh, a Mox Diamond on turn two and play, you know, a Liliana or a Knight of the Reliquary. Or, sca- or yeah. uh, you know, be able to Zenith for your Scavenging Ooze. Um, yeah, just pretend to be like Dark Yeah, there's a lot of, yeah. That's the thing. I think with, with Agrolim, you're kind of really holding your breath on turn one. A little bit more because yeah. it's usually presenting yeah. something if you don't have the the Mox Diamond. Um, the, what what I have found, and this is just from experience playing across all of these decks, uh, when I play across a four color lone player, which is distinct from all of the other Chalice decks that I've uh, my experiences with, is the four color Agro lone player has far more agency over how a game plays out than any of the other Chalice decks. I feel like when I play against the other Chalice decks, they either have the pieces that are that interact with what I'm trying to do to like make it so I just don't do anything, or I'm the one that's always going to be dictating what is going on, like the play patterns of the game. Right. Um, I, that, that that's just been my experience is that Four Color Loam is the actually one where you I also feel like I have to play around what they are doing because they have multiple avenues of attack. Where when I'm playing against one of the prison decks, I feel like. I just have to stop the lock piece, and then what I'm doing will be better than what they're doing. Yeah. I, I, I do agree with you that Four Color Loam is by far the most interactive of these decks. But um, but Four Color Loam aside, when you're looking at the other Chalice decks, um, really a lot more of the decision-making goes into... Um, a lot more of the decision-making goes into deck construction. Yeah. You know, you're, 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 uh, you're front-loading... A lot of the uh, the headache and the heartache, just in terms of like just deciding what you're going to care about when you're building your deck. I, I will say that one of the things that always sort of bugs me about people complain not not, not you Phil, <laughs> but when a lot of people complain about chess like oh you just it's just like you just jam your stuff. It's like but there's deck construction considerations like you you mentioned Grayson. I always play tw- you're always playing 25 land decks. Well. The tw- you're, you're playing 25 lands. You've got less impactful spells. You have less room for your spells. You get yours. No, there's not a lot of fun, fun ofs in these kinds of decks, right? Yeah. Um, and so you've got that deck construction. Like, okay, do I really want to go onto this plan? If I if I really want this card, I probably want three to four. Um, so I'm going to be cutting significant, like some other sort of 
angle of attack. The other thing is that it's your mulligan's decisioning um, becomes really Absolutely. much more important, and I think that's a that's a skill that is really hard to learn. Um, and it's it's one of the, like knowing when to mulligan uh, with any deck is difficult, but especially with the decks where you know that like you've got to you've got to look at your hand and think like couple. How can this go wrong? Yeah. How can this go right? What happens if I draw running lands? What happens if I draw running non lands? Um, well, yeah. You know, uh, what you know? How how long can I live in this situ in the, in a situation where if they have this, I think that that's a little bit of a underrated. Those skills are a little bit underrated uh, in Legacy, but uh, the way that I like to think. Of, oh, sorry. No, that, sorry. that's all. I was just saying that. I, that's how I feel. But I, um, I don't think it's the way that I like mindless. The way that I like to think about it is that you're making fewer decisions, but they have more weight to them. Your mulligan decision matters so much more if you don't have a uh, a brainstorm or a ponder to fix your incoming draws or to just entirely fix your hand. Um, and uh, you know things like reads on your opponent and what their strategy is, those are really important. Um, you know, walking the room after you get a win or a loss and trying to figure out who's on what, because your opener can determine whether or not you win a game. Right. Um, and sequencing is so critical in these decks. I was going to say, sequencing is another one where you have an Ancient Tomb on turn one. Uh, I just brought up a Tezzeret deck, which is the only blue uh, Chalice deck I could think of, except for Merfolk, which we could talk about in a second. Like, you could, you can have this opening with Ancient Tomb. You can, all, you can have Chalice. Uh, you can have, like, one of these Signets, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, so, like, your question is, maybe you have a Tezzeret in your hand. And you got to think like, okay, if I play Chalice here, and you know maybe I get wastelanded or something, and I don't draw, I'm not going to be playing a Tezzeret for another four turns, and they can maybe find yeah. their answers to Chalice. So, but if I don't play Chalice here, and they do something horrendous like cast the card in Tomb, then I'm going <laughs> to feel like an idiot, you know? Yeah. So I think that's uh, that's really an interesting part of it as well yeah it's a playing um uh, another way that i kind of like to divvy them up is like playing a lot of chalice decks um it's akin to playing a tower defense game mm -hmm. you know you're setting up this prison or you're setting up this uh these these obstacles and these these series of defenses and you're trying to see if your opponent can overcome them um, and part of that's in deck construction, like what materials do you do you bring with you to then you know build upon in the game? Um, and part of that is just in sequencing. Part of that is in mulligan decisions. Whereas a lot of decks, like uh, a lot of blue decks, I would say feel more like a um, uh, like a, a fighting game, like Street Fighter. Yep. Um, Much more high velocity. Sorry, I'm just looking up a couple. I wanted to talk about these and. Uh, didn't get a chance to see if I could find one. Well, the, I guess the first one is Merfolk. Do you consider, Phil, maybe you, can, maybe you can jump in on this one first, do you consider Merfolk to be a Chalice deck at this point in its evolution, where this one has three Chalices in the main, which... <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna preface my answer, and I, I ha now I have myself not played any games with Chalice Merfolk, I think that the only reason that Merfolk can exist as a deck is because it, Chalice is in it. Uh, I would entirely disagree because um, 
there is no deck that can true name you harder than Merfolk because they are playing seven copies of that card and casting it with a Cavern of Souls. If you're on a fair game plan and you run into that, uh, yeah, eights. but they're not. They, this is a you know interestingly enough a blue deck with again like no, there's not a lot of agency here. <laughs> Merfolk is one of the decks where you're really just ripping off the top almost all the time. Other than uh, what's that yeah. card, Silver Gill Adept. That's the only thing where you're mm-hmm. getting any sort of uh, you know card acceleration. You also have a lot of interesting land choices. This guy's got a Talaria West, one Wasteland. Interesting. Like I, th- I think the best things that like he even or this particular deck that we're looking at even shaved an Aether Vial because it's playing Chalice. And two now it, it it gets to play through. Uh, it's uh, originally play through with its curse catchers because you could just cavern them through your chalice. Uh, but like looking at any of the decks, you look at the deck and you go, oh, there's two hot spots in this deck, and it's true name and chalice, and everything else is just like whatever. <laughs> it, it like seriously, like everything else is just like cool, man. You got some lords, and the only thing it, it's 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 kind of like when I was when we were talking about like the things that you care about. Uh, where I was saying it's like Chalice and Planeswalkers. This one is Chalice and True Name. Yeah. You know, and everything else is kind of just like you know the flavor du jour. Well, I mean, is is that all that uncommon for any deck in the format? Because I mean, it's all contextual depending on the deck that you're playing against. If you're playing Miracles, you know your copy, your your Council's Judgment doesn't mean anything. Your Swords to Plowshares don't mean anything. Oh, I'm on I'm on the same idea that all of the decks that are playing chalice plus something else is the i guess moral equivalent of brainstorm ponder yeah like i, I, I that, that that's a, that's a dichotomy right um at this point yeah i i think the mulliganing discussion was interesting to me because the fact the the fair blue decks or i mean i guess combo too but like the the ponder brainstorm blue decks they have uh, a lot of agency over the, how their hand looks throughout a game, where I think that's I think that might also be why I think uh, Loam is the most compelling of the Chalice decks because it actually has manipulation over its draw. Yeah, yeah, um, that's, that's definitely a reason to play it. Oh yeah, that, that, I mean that's why it, that's why it's one of the most fun decks. I mean Green Sun Zenith, Sylvan Library, Knight of the Reliquary. You know, there's all sorts and Dark Confidant. I mean, you're, it's great. Oh it's, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun if you can get it going. Um, you know, one of the problems I had in the, in the previous meta, which I think is interesting. Well, actually, I shouldn't say that. Four Color Loam was really good against Miracles, especially against Top Miracles, because it was a deck that played Chalice and Abrupt Decay, um, mm-hmm. and also had a little bit of a higher curve, like a like a the Counterbalance Lock wasn't that good against it. Um, mm-hmm. Then when Miracles went out and Grixis Delver became the best deck, I think there was a little bit of like, oh, Chalice is good against Delver decks, except that I found that the Grixis Delver deck had a lot more play around the chalice mostly because of young pyromancer just makes all your one drops into extra dudes yep. which is just fine <laughs> when the only other person's tapping an ancient tomb the other thing was Gurmag have... angler which just re, you know made a huge Oof. yeah that was the worst um and aggro loam i felt or aggro loam ironically enough aggro loam was too slow for color loam was too slow to keep up i thought in that against that particular deck until you know now that we're seeing that deck not be as explosive um i think that agrolum becomes better because we see you know the uh the converted mana cost creep back down towards one um because there's not as much ramp and there's more pressure from wasteland and uh um, yeah you know it's a little bit 
harder to power through um and also has there has there been any thought to uh, can we move to the four color loam deck for yeah. a sec is has there been any thought to uh switching up what the four colors are and playing TNN instead of night? Uh yes, there actually has. There's been a there's been a blue version of this that play, actually plays Leovold because mm -hmm. you can see it oh, where okay. it casts it off Mox Diamond and Leovold Leovold is also a nightmare against four color loam actually to be honest. There is nothing that a yeah. punishing fire likes less than a Leovold. Like oh my gosh. You, you, that, that, uh, Leovold is one of the reasons that you beat me at, uh, at GP Vegas, if I recall oh, yeah, correctly. Yeah, yeah Leovold's totally fair and totally good card. Um, yeah, uh, Leovold against Punishing Fire and Maze of Ith is... Oh, is, is, that's interesting. Is, is a four-color Loam-style deck like this, is that where Leo should go? Is, that, is this potentially the, the new home for Leo? That depends. I, I don't think so. Um, I mean, it, it, it's always something that can be like, it, there's, there's, there's two flex slots in the main that are kind of always there. The other 58 are set in stone and there's a few flex slots in the side. I, I um, know you don't want to hear so, this, but you could cut night and get and you play Leovold. Um, heresy. I know, but that's the thing. You play Leovold, you play maybe tire, uh, not tire, well, maybe tireless tracker. That's sort of your night role. Um, or hey Grayson, I want you. I, I want you to know, man. You thought we were coming here and having the chalice fight. I'm dismantling the four color deck. Oh, well, God. no, that's the thing though. Like I, I, Leovold in this deck is pretty brutal. Just no, there's not a lot of crossover between the I want to play Leovold crowd and the I want to play Agro Home crowd. <laughs> I, I think Ben Friedman. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, I shouldn't have said a name because now I'm wrong. But I remember someone played actual five color Loam, and the fifth color was Leovold, and then maybe like Flusterstorm, which works through your chalice as a way to fight combo in the sideboard. Um, I mean, the, I, the one thing that's cool about this, though, is is I, I have this discussion all the time with other people when I'm, where we're trying to figure out, like, if Leo has any other homes. And the one thing that Leo actively wants you to play with permanence. Yep. You know, his, his effect to, to draw cards when, you're, when something's targeted actively wants you to play more things that just stay on the table, mm -hmm. where a lot of the decks that people put them in are very, very spell-dense. Uh, like... They just put them in the blue shells that are very, very spell dense. I do that a lot, and I'm constantly looking for permanents that are worthwhile in those types of decks to make Leovold a lot better because yeah. every every single permanent that's on the table then is is leveraged when Leo is sitting alongside it. So having a deck that's like very dense in permanents, uh, like your Mox Diamonds, and then all of these creatures that you're playing, and then uh, I, I I think that Leovold is a really interesting application to this style style of deck. Yeah, and like I said, yeah. if you just take someone who wants to do it both. Sorry, Grayson, go ahead. Oh well, no, I, I like I've definitely seen it before. Like someone like one of the like you lose a little bit of flexibility in the mana base. You you have to sub in a tropical island, and like one of the one of the green sun zenith targets is swapped to a um, is swapped to a Leovol. Um, so it, it it can be done. It has been done, but I think that you're talking about something that moves a little bit farther away from this archetype. You know, something that's more definitively bug rather than that's um, five color. Yeah, it's punishing bug. And, uh, <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, this, people call it, they, they call it punishing Abzan, which is funny. And it's barely red at all other than the punishing yeah. fires. Um, in fact, the, you know, the deck, for a while, I cut the punishing fires um, and just played Collective Brutality to see if that was a thing that could work in that spot. It would could go upstairs. It could kill a creature. And it also had the discard mode because I felt that yeah. ranched by uh combo, by combo at the time if you didn't 
have a chalice on the exact right number. So yeah, um, it that was the vindicate play <laughs> because I had vindicate then in my deck um, because it was only the three colors. But yeah, I think that Leovold can go. Could you could sub out a number of colors? Well, not I guess you can't really sub out green. And you probably can't sub out black, so you're really looking at like either splashing Leovold in, making a full five, or cutting the white, or cutting Punishing Fire, or something. But um... see, here's why I I don't think that you ever want to cut white from the deck is that um, Knight of the Reliquary, now that Deathrite Shaman is out of the format, is an incredible card. It was it was okay before, but with Deathrite kind of policing your own uh, graveyard, it was it was never as good as it could be. But now that that's not happening, Knight will land as a 5-5 and only go up. Um, right. And it's just a Wasteland Factory, which is exactly where you want to be right now. Right, exactly. I, I don't think Knight is a bad card or worth cutting, but it is the kind of thing where it's like, that's, that's, the, that's the choice you'd be making, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going a little bit into Brewtown here, but what's the is, has anybody ever thought about uh, nixing... Uh, like we're we're talking about all of the splashes. Is black if greens and green and black are both indispensable? Is there is there a bant version of this deck that could exist? Um, honestly, if you want to play um, true name in a bant shell, I don't I don't think that a uh, like a lone shell is the way to do it. Um, I think at heart, true name is more of an aggressive card. It's really flexible, but. Um, uh, I think that you want to be on Noble Hierarch into True Name into attacks rather than trying to enable that with Mox Diamond. Because if you have a threat that is protected from everything already, you don't need the Chalice to do that as well. But Phil, you could also play Tamiyo Field Researcher in such a deck. Yeah, dude, I think Tamiyo Field Researcher is just like, though. I mean, if you're just like, yo, I got this Tamiyo Field Researcher and I got this Leovold and I got some other permanents and I'm going to lock down your stuff, or I'm going to make it so I draw more cards, it's like you're just drawing so many cards. I got to look up Tamiyo. I forgot what she does. You don't know what she does? You haven't committed that to memory? Come on. Two, Come on. Two target creatures. Oh, tap and they don't untap. That's pretty sick. Well, this deck already plays yeah. a Johnny Vengeance. And stuff. They don't untap. And you get to choose things that will draw you cards if they try to attack. You can't even tag their creatures. Yep. Dude, it's like, I mean, Tamiya Field Researcher is just so good. You know, if we're talking about critically underplayed Planeswalkers, we need to give a shout-out to Kaya, Ghost Assassin. Yo, she would, be, she would be way better if she just didn't make you lose two life for no reason. I think they were like, yo, like... yo, yo it, it, we, need to, we need to put the, the, the brakes on this card. Make them lose two life if, with every activation. Yeah. This is too, this well, is too you much. Just, you just you just you just minus two minus two and then reset her. You know what do you do against that? I was caught. I was interested with this uh, goblin deck that boards into Chalice because here's my question. Yeah. Are the games where you go which which games do you win more? The games where you go turn one lackey or the games where you go turn one Chalice? They play it in the sideboard because otherwise they are super dead to. Uh... <laughs> like a combo deck, and yeah. when I played Infect against Goblins, he I, I won through a Chalice and Blood Moon. So <laughs> even then, it's not that good because then unfortunately they're not drawing Goblins, they're drawing Chalice. But that's the good question. Like if your deck is that cold to certain decks, to certain combo decks, when do you decide maybe my deck should board in Chalice? It's worth it for me to not play my one drops. The other deck that does it is Lands. Um, and they have a number of interesting one-drops. 
But yeah. they, also, they also have Mox Diamond, and they also have 35 lands, so it doesn't really matter. But this you know, is, is, <laughs> in the is Goblins just the merfolk of Mono Red Prison? <laughs> no, I think Goblins... Um... I think Goblins now is better than people give it credit for, and yet still overhyped at the same time. Well, you can take you can take a lot of damage in a turn before we're going to be on a Goblins. We're going Goblins now. No, <laughs> a lot of damage in a turn because you know they have cost reduction uh, from this one. Nope. Uh, the Warchief. Warchief. Uh, this list this list doesn't, doesn't play. Warchief. He's got War no. Instigator instead, which is a double strike yeah. lackey. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they've got cost reduction, and which, you know, Lackey is also a cost reduction, and they have haste, and they have lord effects, and I, in that same matchup, I was like, he, he, he start he untapped with one creature, and then he had five attacking me, and yeah. it was basically like, uh, I had to, I, I looked at my hand, I looked at my board, I looked at his board, I was like, okay, I took 14, so I went down to, from 17 to 3, and then was able to untap and, like, triple invigorate. But, like, that's not the point. The point is, like, you can just... You, this deck runs you over way more than uh, than um, uh, Merfolk does. The problem is that it's not fast enough to do that. that needs and you don't have Force of Will either. Yeah. When, when uh, For all of these Chalice Blood Moon decks, at what point do we just see that modern deck that just won poured over and everybody's just playing three mana Sarkin and dragons. That modern deck uh, that just I, won. I would be lying if I said that I had not considered building actual factual dragon stompy with Sarkin Fireblood in it. But, um, That's because it's sweet. I've, I've gotten Thunderbreak regented. Yeah. That was before. Yeah, like, uh, there's, all, there's already, like, a dragon stompy as opposed to mono red prison um, definitely plays Thunderbreak regent in one of the five mana dragons. Um, because they can just get there. Yeah. Um. Well, but I, I as far as Chalice as a sideboard plan, um, Goblins has had Chalice in the sideboard for as long as I can remember, and that's going back to like 2008, I think. Um, Is it just, are, are they just the last defenders of uh, not just playing at main board and cutting their one drops? No, it's because Ch because goblins is um, just a goblins is a board control mid range deck more than anything else. Its its goal is to grind out any fair deck in the format, which it's fully capable of doing because it's playing factor fiction stapled onto a two two haste creature. I mean, if that's um, the case, then it, I mean, if that's the game plan for the deck, then aren't things that then aren't the one drops just not doing that? Well, the one drops enable it because you're playing so many expensive cards. You have to have the Aether Vial and you have to have the Lackey to cheat on your mana. Um, yeah. Because yeah. You, you are trying to resolve three and four drops and sometimes five drops in a format where that's really not feasible. Like most modern Goblin lists play six ish four drops. And that's a higher curve than anything else in Legacy that doesn't play Ancient Tomb and. City of Traders. Yeah. I just sent a uh, in the chat. I just sent a link to a more classic goblins list that did well at the Mox Boarding House um, Legacy Preservation Tournament. It's it's super classic. Four War Chief. Um, this is what this is how the, this is how my opponent chained a bunch of goblins into me in that particular matchup. He was like um, like he had a War Chief in play. Then he played another War Chief. Then he played a Ringleader. And then he played Pile Driver. <laughs> 
and something else. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, then he attacked me for 14, which turned out to be 14. Um, Aside from Lackey, like, Power Driver's got to be, like, it hits for there's the most insane amount of damage, right? Like, shouldn't the deck be getting rid of all these, like, five mana fun ofs and just playing uh, Pile Driver and Rabble Master and spamming goblins and hitting you for a bajillion? Actually, Phil, I really agree with you. Um, I think that there's a core of goblins out there, but I, I, I don't know. I think people really like playing their fun ofs, and that's why we're, we may not ever see a truly streamlined goblins list because. Well, you can look at them right here on the on this list in alphabetical order: four goblin lackey, four goblin matron, four goblin pile driver, and four goblin ringleader. I think that's your core. Gem palms a removal spell. Yeah. Just to bring this back to our original um, discussion point, the reason that they play chalice in the sideboard, um, and it's actually not always what they play. If they splash black, what you'll see is they'll play a lot of um, they'll play a lot of discard. Yeah. Um, or um, they'll play mind break trap. But the reason that you play chalice is um, you can cast it for zero against Storm. Um, and if you draw a second one, you can cast it for one. If you've got the luxury of casting it and setting it to one, you can do that as well. So it's just a, it's a flexible piece of combo hate. Um, and it, it's really just for combo. Like the entire point of Goblins as a deck and really where it finds success is where you say the combo matchup is dead and gone except for obscure outs like... Mind break track. <laughs> like, 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 like oh, you know, they... They show and tell something in, and you go cavern, sting, scourge, or bounce it. You know, it's yeah. uh, out of lines like that. It's just, it's all about grinding out the fair decks and then boarding into as much hate as it can. Well, um, gentlemen, is there anything else we want to talk about about Chalice? I, I, if we don't if we have anything specific, I want to talk about one thing quickly. I get there are people out there that actually enjoy playing with the card. Uh, I'm not one of them, obviously. But it's more so that we're, like, we're looking at all of these decks, and they're all different flavors of Chalice, and I feel like that was the same issue that Deathrite was having. I mean, you know, Deathrite's just a one-drop and is a mana dork, but like, you had all of these decks that were all different things, but they were all on the backbone of uh, Deathrite. Can I, can I go on a bit of a... Because this is actually what I took notes on. <laughs> Step in the ring, bro! Let's go! Okay, so de- okay, so Chalice is not the Deathrite Shaman of Chalice decks. Okay, it's it's not it's not a card that homogenizes these decks. First of all, Child Chalice decks are wildly different, and I'll go into that in a minute. But Chalice of the Void is not Deathrite Shaman. Chalice of the Void is Force of Will. Chalice of the Void is Lion's Eye Diamond. It is Thalia. It is Wasteland. Yes, it is ubiquitous in this macro archetype but it does not lead to the homogenization of deck lists. I think Let's look at decks that have Force of Will, for instance, because... Um, I'm, I'm, I just a quick so, follow-up to thing. I'm going to let you keep going. I'm just going to tag that one so I don't forget it. Uh, do you consider the homogenization, homogenization of play pattern? I do. Uh, so if there became a point where all the Chalice decks started to look the same, um, then yes, but as of now, they have radically different play patterns. And they have in four C in in my memory they've all had radically different play patterns and I'll go into that. So I think we can all agree here that brainstorm is the most powerful card in the format, correct? Well, yeah. like <laughs> most powerful. Yeah, I got no problems. I got no problems with that. Yeah. But let's go out on a limb and say that brainstorm was banned. What would happen? I, I think it's I think easily the the answer is they would sub in the next best cantrip. It wouldn't be pretty, but there's a replacement available for Brainstorm. 
if Force of Will gets the axe, fair blue decks die. And just before all of our commenters start jumping on their keyboards, this is a thought experiment. We're not expecting this yeah. to happen. No. Grayson's no. making a point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and I think that's yeah. an interesting point. Yeah. And you're saying that if Chalice was to, this is what we were talking about a little bit earlier, if Chalice was to be axed, then... These are, this macro archetype well, would die. Couldn't Some, they just move over? Wait, 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 wait. I got, I got to follow up on that. What if, if the, if the archetypes would die, couldn't they just go ancient tomb thorn? Some could. I think that one of the few, because I don't think that banning chalice would actually lead to format health for one, because I think that someone needs to be around to police all these decks that are filling themselves up with cantrips and air. Um, but. When you think about it, the only decks that could really uh, just swap that out are things like Eldrazi Aggro or Soldier Stompy. Um, so you would see the death of the slower Chalice decks. You wouldn't see, you wouldn't see like, um, you know, Aggro Loam you, is a good example uh, here. Four Color Loam is also the Chalice deck that I think reads Board Chalice out the most. Um, yeah, because sometimes you just don't care, you know, if they're playing a bunch. Some, of so, uh, like, it, it it's not... L let me get to the, the whole it's not Deathrite point. Because when you say, like, the problem with Deathrite, I love the card Deathrite. I, I played it where I could. Um, but the problem with Deathrite was that it homogenized the format around it. You know, most of the fair decks had to be on Deathrite. And once they included Deathrite, their lists started to look similar. It wasn't just that they were playing for Deathrite. It's that they were accumulating other cards in that color sphere at the same time. So for instance, let's look at like the shared cards between, and just let's look at just like card diversity. I'm not talking about strategic diversity, but just card diversity um, between Del Grixis Delver and Checkpile. That, that list shared at least like 20 cards. Someone, someone did the math on it once. And if you counted lands, it was, it was, there was something like 17 or 18 different slots. Of course, I always came back to well. Actually, there's a lot. There's more cards in common between Grixis Delver and Storm than there is between Checkpile and Jund. But I understand the point. So uh, and uh, but so let's look at say the card diverse. So the shared cards between Four Color Loam and Red Prison. Yeah, I gotta find five. it. So we can, yeah, you've got five. It's the four Chalice and maybe if you're playing Chandra in the sideboard. And I do believe that card diversity is a valid way to gauge format health and diversity. Um, strategic diversity is important as well, but regarding the point, so most Chalice decks share between eight and 12 slots, and that's not at all out of line when you compare the, the shared cards, including lands. And I'm including lands for the Chalice decks, by the way. I'm including Ancient Tomb, City of Traders, mm -hmm. Chalice of the Void, where it's applicable. So I'm doing the same thing for decks that don't. But if we look at Canadian Threshold and Miracles, you're sharing up to 15 cards. I, I mean, the, 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 the card, the, the card sharing decks, slot is also... I mean, we could break those down into, like, the but, like, like the shells of the format. Like, if you have four Brainstorm, you know that that's going to get paired with likely four Ponder and definitely so, four Force of Will. So let me, make, let me move to the next, the next point, um, because that's, that is just limited to card diversity. But in terms of card diversity, you you see more actual card diversity among Chalice decks than you do amongst non-Chalice decks. 
the numbers generally, once you're not playing four Brainstorm, four Ponder, four Force of Will, most Chalice, chalice decks share between eight and 12 cards. Chalice, and the numbers, City of chalice Ancient Tomb, City of Traders. And not every list plays City of Traders. Not every list plays Ancient Tomb. So you're seeing comparable numbers. So you wouldn't say that Miracles and Canadian Threshold play out the same way at all, right? I, I, I wouldn't no. say so. Phil's not going to answer, but yeah, no. Oh, oh so, I, I, sorry, I thought that was rhetorical. So so let's let's look at the, the diversity amongst Chalice decks because every archetype is actually is represented amongst Chalice decks. You've got mid-range with four Cololome. I mean, you guys were talking about how there's no black-based mid-range deck in the format. Look at four Cololome. It's primarily a green-black mid-range deck. You've got Eldrazi, which is clearly the aggro deck. There's some disruptive elements, but that is an aggro deck to its core. Prison is the closest thing that you're going to get to stacks or actual prison in this format. You've got Soldier Stompy, which is definitely playing the tempo game as opposed to a straight aggro list. You've got Bomberman for combo, Merfolk for tribal, Tezzeret for control. Yeah. And they're all wildly different lists, and you can't expect the same thing out of any given deck list. Like, if someone... I, like I, I, I can expect that one-drops are irrelevant. Yeah, but what else do you do? And how do you board for those decks? Because if you're boarding the same way for, let's say, Forkal alone, that you're boarding for Eldrazi, uh, there's a problem, right? Tezzeret's the, Tezzeret's the interesting one there. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, when, but like, I, I hear that argument, and then I go, well, like, I think of Deathrite Shaman, and Deathrite Shaman being in Elves makes, it has that same feel where it's like it wasn't doing the same thing that it was doing in Grixis Delver. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I it, think... like, the, the, like, it wasn't doing the same thing in, like, uh, Black Maverick was doing something different than what Grixis Delver was doing. It's like, I mean, the, where the cards fit, it's like, if the, if the card is, it, Does... It's really like the 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 bad like I, I keep coming back to the idea of the backbone, but it's like it's it's the best thing that the deck has going on, and then everything else is around it, you know. But but it's like I mean, but I like it's it also a thing that just can win a game by itself. I could say the same like I mean a well timed force of will can do the same thing, and by doing that you get the option of running ponders and brainstorms. Uh, I do want to. I don't want us to go back and forth too much on this point. I I'm, yeah. hope you got to. I'm glad Grayson got to say his piece. That he, <laughs> I know he's taking notes, telling me. Um, I think that Phil's point, and I and this isn't really to contradict either of your points, but just to to make the point about Deathrite was that it was the top end that was really homogenizing because you just were so priced into you know, death right into these very specific things. If that was ever the case with Chalice, I would hope that they would look at the top end. When Eldrazi first came out, I remember look, seeing Thought Not Seer spoiled and then looking at, like, my sort by, like, you know, sort of black-green, like, junk-type deck and think and Dead Guy Ale and being like, oh, oh, so that's how you get the, like, 4-4 four, four undercosted discard dude. Like, it just becomes an Eldrazi, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. if if... The fact that that and that deck, you know, has has been adjusted to in certain ways, but you know, I I I'll never really quite forgive it for just sucking up all the potential mid-range, you know, things you can do by just putting all the best mid-range creatures, matter reshaper, thought not seer, reality smasher, 
into this thing that you can only do this way. You know what I mean? Well, and I, just, I, I think my the, my like actual like uh, my, my actual distaste for Chalice and like why I'm always on this side of the argument uh, is also that the the card itself like it takes away from like it, it the point of the card is to not be able to play cards where it's not like it's not the taxing effect it's not like if you play a chalice it just makes it so an entire part of the curve is no longer valid until the card is removed well i agree and that's, I, 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 I like in terms of play pattern it, it, it seems like well this, this is not like a a a a, a, a a slights against the argument. This is just a different point that it, I, I feel like it takes away from gameplay by if the same way that you were talking about, like you make your deck decision choices before you come into the, into the day. If you knew that there was, you know, all a bunch of different flavors of chalice running around and you have to con take that into account. It's, do you just consider not playing one drops? It, I, I don't know. It, it seems like the the well, restriction the the restriction that the, the, the same way that we argue about TNN being that it's just not interactive, I feel like Chalice has those elements to it as well, where it's just like yeah, you don't get to play your cards, therefore. Well, see, the thing is, is that Chalice of the Void, like the the best counter argument I can give you is when do I board out Chalice of the Void? Yeah, because it, it, because I, that's that's really the best gauge of like when is it dead in a in a matchup, right? Right. Besides other Chalice decks. Yeah, yeah. So, but so exempting um, other chalice decks, I board out chalice when I'm playing against um, DNT every time because their curve is they play at most twelve one drops, and their curve is high high enough that they can ignore it for the most part, um, and they can flicker wisp it. So they have a they have a way to deal with it in their main deck easily. Um, I boarded out against Maverick. Um, I've boarded it out against Bug Delver in the past, back when it still had Deathrite Shaman, because they had four Goyf, they had some number of Tombstalker, they had four him to Turok and four Decay, and just their curve being high enough to account for that, the fact that they weren't just running air, meant that they could deal with it effectively enough, and I would be better off having removal or other cards that impacted the board in some way as opposed to a chalice. When chalice is at its best is when it's when I'm playing against combo decks. And I don't think it's I, I don't think you'd think that it's a problem card against the combo decks for the most part, because they're trying to do something broken. So I think it's fair that I have a way to stop that from happening. Okay. And it's also good against decks that I'm I'm almost done. I'm sorry. No, I know. I don't want you um, to get heated. I like you both. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I, 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 if I'm coming across as heated, I'm, I'm really not. I, I enjoy arguments. Oh, yeah. and like, uh, same on this side. So, like, if, if he wants here. to come back and like ins insult my family, that's totally fine. Don't um, um, but like, uh, so if I'm playing, so if your deck, if your deck's consistency revolves around um, brainstorm, ponder, and maybe other cantrips. That's when Chalice is at its best because you don't have redundant answers. All the non-blue decks in the format have an inbuilt edge against Chalice decks because they are forced to play redundant answers to threats, to problem cards. Like if I'm playing Maverick, I need a few copies, even virtual copies, of ways to kill non-creature permanents. Green Sun Zenith lets me do that. Um, 
if I'm playing uh, Mono Red Prison, for instance, and I need a way to kill an artifact cheaply, I can't play two abrade in the sideboard and hope to get away with it. I have to play three to four cards to reliably draw it. And because I'm not reliant on these cantrips to find those cards, you typically do much better. Like the best example of this is the modern miracles lists that play. I don't even know what the, the cantrip count is, is at nowadays, but it's filled with so much air that a chalice truly can cripple that deck. But that's because they're playing so many cantrips. 4, 8, 11, 12, 16. 4 Brainstorm, 4 Ponder, 3 Portent, 1 Spell Pierce, 4 Swords of Plowshares. That's what we had in this uh, list we picked up. Yeah. And really, I mean, Infect, I, it, playing Infect as I have been recently has been interesting because I never really liked Chalice against Infect because I was like, well, they'll just play a land and then play a 3 mana cost free spell that kills you. Uh, but yeah. I definitely, uh, definitely ate a Chalice pretty hard in, in some matchup recently. Um, yeah. Phil, uh, I'm going to give you, give, you, give you one last word here, and then I want to move on to Lord Windgrace. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, Tamiyo Field Researchers are still the most underrated Planeswalker of all time. Well, we, okay, I was giving you a chance to close out the Chalice thing, but that's fine. Oh, I, 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 yeah, I, I think that the on the argument of deck diversity, there, like I think four-color Loam is the uh, biggest... Uh, the best example. Uh, it just the uh, the play patterns. I, I I mean, this might just be just because as somebody who is always on the opposing side of the Chalice games, that the way the Chalice games play out are, if you if I'm on the draw and you stick a turn one Chalice and mind twist the five cards in my hand, uh, that's when the game ends and then everything else is irrelevant. Uh, but maybe you'll maybe and, you'll learn to love it with your friend Sai. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I, I don't know if Sai's gonna get there without, without playing Chalice, but just, just try it, just try it once, and you'll. I mean, it. well, here's a, here's a like the, the final question that I'm, I'm just gonna ask. I mean, I feel like it's got to be yes, but like when you play a Chalice, mm -hmm. are, are those, are, are the games fun? Oh yeah. No, they're a blast. Like my favorite games when playing Mono Red Prison, um, is, like the, the whole, the, the tension of playing that deck is can they break out of prison? Can they break out of prison before you actually end the game? Because that deck is pretty slow to end a game in actual terms, like shocking them every turn with Chandra or something like that. Like, uh, unless you've got a Rabble Master start. But, like, I was playing against um, I was playing against Maverick, and it was game three. Um, and he managed to build up a board state where he had to cycle one of his... He had to cycle his only non-basic land with a knight just to get an extra mana to cast and activate a Kasali Pride Mage, blow up my bridge, attack, kill my Chandra so he wouldn't die, and then he just took over the game from there. Every game is a it, it, it's a prison escape. And he like faded that second bridge off the top too. Yeah, yeah, he did, he did. But at that point, I, I was just I was out of the game. I think so that it, yeah, I think Phil, you tend to play decks where it's not fun to be chaliced, and they're definitely. You know, sometimes you have to be like, it's up, like I'm not gonna lose this card, and that's where you, you know, even if you're playing like a blue deck with a bunch of one drops, you're you're also like, whatever, I'm playing abrupt decay, I'm playing like a bug version, I'm playing abrupt decay, or I'm playing a braid in the main board. Which is... All right, I want to talk about Lord Windgrace. Let me call him up here. This would be a fun way to end the show because uh, Phil and I 
and may, maybe a little bit less so Zach we're talking about it and we had a uh, we were talking before the show started uh Grayson mentioned it Lord Windgrace is going to be in the commander set we're going to do a full commander set review and Zach's back uh but we won't talk about Lord Windgrace because I don't think Zach thinks it's good uh two red black green legendary planeswalker Windgrace five loyalty plus two discard a card then draw a card if a land card is discarded this way draw an additional card it's like a Dr. Seuss book Minus three, return up to two target land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Minus 11, destroy up to six target non-land permanents, then create six 2-2 green cat warrior creature tokens with forest walk. Phil, why did you like, why did, I, I was so shocked to hear you say, like, what do you guys think about Lord Windgrace? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like definitely the type of card that, I mean, it would be very bizarre to see me sleeving it up. But I see, I, I was thinking, when, particularly because it was in Jun colors, I was like, oh, is when I saw Teferi popping up in Miracles decks as a five drop value walker that has a bunch of utility, I was like, I wonder if this is what the non blue decks would want in a walker like this. Because in all of the non blue decks, you're usually on uh, wastelands or some kind of uh, mana acceleration, whether it's Mox Diamond, for example, that. Uh, if you're like on those loamish strategies that aren't playing blue, then this deck all of a sudden just being able to recur value lands, I thought was really interesting. Uh, I even thought like, you know, would lands even want something like this instead of like, I don't know, fucking parallelist trackers. Um, I I don't know. It it was one of those things where I was like, it's five mana, so it's probably priced out. But I I was, I, I was curious with the value that it generates and the fact that you get to rebuy two lands and that's similar to what teferi does where he gets to untap two lands so it's kind of like you get a discount even after you put the investment in so in a deck that's looking to go long this has similar applications of another card that is starting to prove its worth in legacy and that's where i had the i I was thinking like oh is this something that could be real if you're a deck that's actively revolving itself around value lands and then you just have this incredible top end of a really difficult high loyalty planeswalker that gives you a bunch of value when it enters and i don't know it it seemed like it was an interesting card that were in decks that i wouldn't necessarily play but it did get my brain working grayson would you you like this card at all for uh or is it too much like Uh, i i will absolutely play it in a local as a fun of um but uh, like the thing that teferi has going for it is that you don't have to tap out to play him and he can uh, he can have an immediate board impact. Now there are lines with Windgrace where you can like return like a, a, a Maze of Ith or Pell two to the battlefield with his minus three, and you can impact the board that way. Or you can um, return depths in stage. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But then you can't activate them that same turn. Then you you win if you untap. I think that what's yeah. interesting about it is that because Agrolone plays so many lands. That you're gonna have five lands in play a lot. It's it, like I think a lot of people say like, well, if I've got five lands in play and I'm resolving something, I've already won. But there are definitely times when in your, when you're playing Agrolom where you're like, crap, I drew these lands. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like. And uh, now I've got all these lands. And I'm not and I'm drawing off the top and I don't have anything. And then like, oh, this is this is good because like, even though it's got green suns in it, there's not there's not anything bigger than night and. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think it's an interesting card. There, there's also like interesting applications for when you, you know, might want it. But 
Yeah. I mean, there's also like the idea where if in this one, if you cast it and then you use its minus to just get back two lands and then two spell, uh, and then all of a sudden you have an ancestral on the table every turn, that's not bad. Uh, the other side is like, I mean, I've only been thinking about it in loam style decks just because I feel like it obviously lends itself to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that on the, the double draw on the plus one that you can just like dredge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and dredging your loam to get value, more value that way as well. Uh, if you have multiple loams, that's just like, yeah, let's fill this yard up. Uh, I, I'll definitely kick out. Uh, so Garuk Relentless and Lily the Last Hope. Uh, definitely earned their sideboard slots in Loam, but it might kick the third walker out. Well, guys, uh, we've hit about an hour and change here. Actually, probably closer to an hour and a half now. Grayson, you are a worthy opponent. <laughs> so are you, Phil. We'll be back next week. This was fun. Yeah, we'll be back next week. Uh, thanks, Grayson, for coming on. I'll see you around, I'm sure. Phil, I will see you, Phil, one week uh, one week from Saturday at the Geekery. Yo, I, 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 I'm just going to bring... Mono the case. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mono brought the case. Come at me, bro. Okay, okay. Have a good week, everybody. Stop, stop, animal stuff. Can you see animal stuff? It's our good. Keep it up with the Joneses. Stop, stop, animal stuff. Can you see animal stuff? It's our good. Keep it up with the Joneses. Keep it up with the Joneses. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Eternal Dirtles is supported by Audible.com. If you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with Audible, you can go to audibletrial.com slash eternaldirtles, and they'll hook you up with a free book, and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks so much.